he collapsed. His friends, he had two friends with him, and they didn't know what to do. And right. so, I mean, they did their best. They called the paramedics, but by the time the paramedics got there, it was too late, and he was just gone. No warning, no goodbyes. He was wow. just gone. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My next guest is the oldest of 10 children and grew up in California. She met her husband as a student at BYU, and they have lived in Utah for almost 30 years now and have eight children. Through her husband, she was introduced to alternative medicine, and she has studied the healing arts for over 30 years. Her daughter, Glenna, was the first to be diagnosed with the hereditary heart condition, HCM which stands for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. This led to the diagnosis of her husband and two youngest children, Stefan and Jesse. I am pleased to introduce Elizabeth Allen. Elizabeth, are you ready to share your story of hope? I am ready. Awesome. So I understand you play the violin. Yes, well, <laughs> not as often as I would like to, but I do play still occasionally. <laughs> That's awesome. That is actually something I did when I was in junior high. I never became very proficient. In fact, if I still pick up a violin, I know how to read music with it, but it does not sound very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so I never got to the beautiful phase of that. So I am sure you did since you still play. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's more because I love playing. <laughs> yes. And it is, it is a gift, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. So tell me a little bit about your family and this crazy diagnosis that kind of hits you guys out of the blue. So we, I mean, when my kids were young, a lot of them would have trouble with like stomach aches and, you know, you just do your best to try and figure out what's going on. They were, some of them were diagnosed with H. pylori and, mm. but we never really um, knew that there was a problem until my daughter was she was living with my sister out in Connecticut and one morning they couldn't wake her up and um, and they ended up calling the paramedics and and that led to testing but the testing they just were baffled they said we've never seen anything like this hmm. she has the EKG of a 90 year old who's had several heart attacks really they even sent her test results to Columbia University they, they did like a heart monitor and mm -hmm. treadmill tests you know a lot of different testing but they never did any imaging and so they just remained baffled even Columbia University was like we've never seen anything like this hmm. so when we brought her back home to Utah we took her to our cardiologist who did an MRI mm -hmm. and that was when she was finally diagnosed and he said this is hypertrophic cardiomyopathy you need to get it's hereditary you need to get everybody in your family tested wow and so that began I mean and, we, and our older children had already left home so really when you know, so when they're not there, you can't 
drag them to the doctor and say, we're doing this mm-hmm. test, which basically is an echocardiogram. So they check to see if the muscle of the heart has thickened. That's how they diagnose. So is that what it is? It's a thickening of the muscle of the heart? Yeah, the, if the muscle gets too thick, which makes the, ch- the chambers that hold the blood smaller so the heart can't pump as much blood. That's one of the problems. Plus, the fibers tend to be scrambled and so and stiff. They get st- scrambled and stiff, so there's pain. Um, the heart will go into a fibrillation, and that's what causes the sudden death. So it's been known as the life snatcher because it's the wow. young, you know, the young athletes who drop dead on the field or court. It's wow. usually HCM, and it tends to go undiagnosed because in America we don't they don't do any kind of screening or testing for it for our young athletes, which can be dangerous. So oh sure. So your recommendation then to parents who have kids who are in sports is at least rule this out then. So, yeah, if you, and, and at least know the symptoms to look for. Well, tell us what they are. Which can be um, just like a low energy kid, a kid who gets tired a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you would want to make sure, kind of do some extra testing for, for a kid like that mm-hmm. because they just don't feel well. Um, and they don't know, there's just not a reason. They, they're, like I said, they're low energy. Mm. And so... Um, and an echocardiogram, and, and really echocardiograms aren't that expensive, mm-hmm. but it would show that thickening, and it can be in different places. It can be in the septum that divides the heart. Mm-hmm. It can be at the apex. It can be in different areas, and there are different genes of oh. HCM. So with our daughter, we actually um, we went to Stanford University because they, speci- they had specialists there, and we... Um, did some like family genetic counseling. She actually got tested. And um, and so we now, now that we know the gene, the specific gene, we know, you know, we can specifically test for that gene in our family, which is helpful. Wow. Now, how many of your family members have this then? Um, so we know my husband has it. The only ones who haven't been either genetically tested for it or um, like with an echocardiogram, I was one of my sons and then um, my oldest daughter who actually she's been diagnosed with Lynch syndrome. So she's been dealing with wow. cancer. Bless her. But um, my oldest son and then my one daughter, they were tested for the gene and they both have it. They don't so, have the disease though. So you can be a carrier Mm-hmm. And not necessarily manifest it. Yeah. And, but you can pass it on. And we have another daughter, and she actually, she's never been tested, but her, um, her two oldest children were tested, and one of them had the gene, so then we knew that she had it. And mm. then she actually, um, her oldest son ended up having the disease. Wow. So, there you go. That so is crazy. It is, yeah, the, the odds aren't looking real great. That <laughs> <laughs> means so everyone who's been tested either has the gene or the disease. So that's wow. where we're at so far. So tell us a little bit about how this has impacted your family specifically then. Well, so Jesse, I mean, he never complained. Even how, though, how old was Jesse? So he, yeah, he passed away when he was 16. It's, um, it was 2010. Mm. July 7th and 
um, he'd been having trouble, but we didn't, it didn't really stand out until after he'd passed away. So he passed away, like I said, on July 7th. On the 4th, well, actually on the 3rd, my, he was like just bending over in the grocery store. He was with my other children and, you know, they were celebrating the 4th mm-hmm. and his hand was shaking. And so they were noticing that he was having trouble, but he totally, he kind of had this invincible spirit about him. And he just, even though he was having trouble, like I said, he didn't complain and he pushed himself. He did things like he signed up for weightlifting when he wasn't supposed to. Mm. And that was one of the problems with, as far as the school system worked, because when he was first diagnosed, he had a health plan. Mm-hmm. But it didn't follow him through to the high school. And oh. and so even though there was like no weightlifting, he still signed up for weightlifting unbeknownst to us. When I found out, I was not happy. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, You know you're not supposed to do this. Uh-huh. But he didn't understand why. And he just, I mean, he was strong and healthy looking. Yeah. You know, you, less than three weeks before he passed away, my daughter got married and he just looked the picture of health. You would never guess. And so when he did pass away, he was out in Roosevelt a couple hours away. He collapsed. His friends, he had two friends with him, and they didn't know what to do. And right. so, I mean, they did their best. They called the paramedics, but by the time the paramedics got there, it was too late, and he was just gone. No warning, no goodbyes. He was wow. just gone. Oh, my goodness. So how did that impact you as a mom? Oh, it just threw us all into a huge tailspin. I mean, because, you know, for one thing, my husband and two other children still had the disease. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, well, what does this mean? And then all of the stress of his death created more problems. So we were in the emergency room a number of times after his death just because it was the the fear and the stress um, was difficult for my husband and my other children. Do you think it made you more paranoid for them? Oh, a- absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, because it's like, you know, are they going to die too now? And so mm. it's just, you know, you kind of, you learn to live life with that hanging over your head. But um, you just have, you just learn to live with it. And how do you do that, though? Because I, I can imagine your anxiety and stress must have just skyrocketed. So it was, yeah, I mean, it's such, it's been a journey. I mean, in July, it'll be 10 years, which I can hardly believe. Right. Um, for me, I I did a lot of writing. I wrote a lot of poetry, and then I've written a book. And the writing for me was very therapeutic, and it helped me a lot and and my faith just having you know my faith in god and mm-hmm. and i have been fascinated with near-death experiences for years before jesse passed away so i already had a belief that mm-hmm. you know that this life isn't the end and that brings you some comfort it doesn't make you ever miss them less mm-hmm. i mean that part never goes away you know the the thing about um losing someone is the love doesn't ever go away because the love doesn't ever go away. You don't ever stop missing them. Mm. And that's the hard part is just the missing them. But you, you know, so I just, I, I have focused on, you know, every day is a precious gift 
And, you know, and then especially with my oldest daughter now, she's been going, in fact, she was diagnosed about almost exactly a year after Jesse passed away. And at first I was like, really, God, you would do this to me? I was, you know, I mean, to me, it doesn't make sense to be mad at God because what's that going to accomplish? But sometimes we feel that way. Yeah. Right? (laughs) And sometimes, well, and, and actually my belief that it's wrong to be mad at God made me, I just kind of stuffed down my anger and a lot of my emotions. And so it was actually writing my book that kind of helped me get in touch with a lot of the emotions that I had pushed down and ignored. And because they were either, I, and, and I mean, even with the, with the healing work I do, I know that our emotions are important, Mm -hmm. but I still pushed them down. And I think that just Growing up, I that was how I coped with hard things, as I learned to just push them down because I didn't know a better way to deal with them a lot of times. Right, right. Well, and plus I was punished when I was young for my, you know, if I was crying, my dad would say, you know, and he's Armenian, so he was, he kind of had his, a different way of thinking, and mm-hmm. he was pretty a th- authoritarian and being the oldest I kind of got the brunt of it but yeah poor oldest kids I'm an oldest kid too we can relate (laughs) you know it was that if you cry I'll give you a reason to cry (laughs) anyway so I just learned to you know stuff it down because it was safer yeah I can imagine that must have been awfully hard I know um after my kids were diagnosed with autism I remember just I felt very angry for a while with God. And and I did. I felt guilty on mm-hmm. top of the grief. And I just don't think that's a good combination to have together. I think Mm-mm. it's important that we give ourselves a little grace in yes. there somewhere. You know, I think God understands way better than we give him credit for. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly what we're thinking. He knows exactly what we're feeling. He knows that when when we're angry with them, mm-hmm. it's not like we're going to hide it from them. <laughs> well, and he doesn't even care. In fact, I compare it to a parent mm. with a kid who's throwing a tinter tantrum. They, you don't sit there and go, you stupid child, you know, mm-hmm. why are you angry? And, you know, even if they're saying, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, one of my kids said that she hoped I'd die and she'd dance on my grave. <laughs> And you know what? We still love them, right? (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, you don't sit there and hate them. You're like, well, I can tell you're having a hard time right now. And, you know, you do your best to try and help them through it. But yeah, I think you're right. I think God looks at us much the same way. So the lesson might may be to just be okay with where you are mm-hmm. and try to not stuff those emotions down. And, and maybe sometimes I think we might suppress the emotions because it's too much for us to deal with. Yes. At I know. the time, don't you think? Especially but, yeah. when you're grieving something like a death. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like a volcano ready to explode and you're like, I don't know what'll happen if it explodes. <laughs> mm. Maybe it won't survive it. Yeah. Or other people won't survive it. Right. So right. It can be pretty intense. So you were finally able to get those emotions out then when you started writing. Yes. And yeah, they came bubbling up and went, ooh, there's the anger. (laughs) Mm. So So it's going to come out sooner or later. Well, and I wanted, I mean, and it wasn't even conscious, but I wanted to feel control. And so I was looking for somebody to blame 
And in fact, it's just recent. It's been such a journey. It just unfolds, you know, over mm -hmm. time. And, um, and so the latest thing is, you know, I wanted to blame the paramedics or I wanted to blame the doctors. I wanted to blame somebody. I wanted to feel like I could change the outcome could have changed the outcome for myself and could possibly change an outcome for other parents. Mm. But in reality, that's just not how it works. Yeah. And so the real lesson, the most recent powerful lesson um, that God kind of taught me is he helped me remember. So when Jesse first passed away, he, he was an artist. He had a lot of drawings and he took classes at school. And he had, and he had one painting that he had done. It was um, a, like the face of the David looking down. And mm -hmm. it looked a lot like him. Kind of reminded me, made me think of him watching over us from heaven. And, and I had gotten that framed. And I was trying to take pictures of it. And there was this glare, this green glare off the glass, no matter what angle I tried to take the picture from and so finally I it worked I was able to take pictures and and I didn't really think anything of it I was like oh good now it works mm -hmm. and so about a month later I was doing a training and I had an opportunity to talk to a woman who had gifts she had some psychic gifts and she told me she said you're he wants me to let you know that you're missing things which just made me frustrated i was like what am i missing don't mm -hmm. tell me i'm missing things and not tell me mm -hmm. but um and then it was shortly after that that his light started showing up in pictures in the most amazing way it's not like just a little sometimes people will talk about orbs but this was like a bright huge light that would show up in the pictures like of other family members you're taking pictures or? so i was yeah so the the most amazing one i was with um, my one of my daughters we were at Chakarama. it was nighttime we weren't by any windows and we'd eaten some and she said oh, i'm tired i'm gonna lay down and sleep under her coat and i the first miracle that happened is my phone that i was using to take the pictures was really really slow it would take at least 30 seconds in between pictures to get enough power to take the picture oh, but in this situation it just went click click it happened really fast mm. so I don't ask me why I'm taking pictures of my daughter going under her coat but <laughs> anyway this glare started well, I thought it was a glare this light started coming and so I and there was a clock in the background so I thought well maybe it's a glare off the clock so I angled way in and the light just got brighter and more intense and finally I went oh this is not a glare and so I said, oh, Jesse, my daughter heard me. And she popped her head out to like go, what? What are you talking about? <clears throat> and the, the light was so bright, it covered like m most of her face. You could kind of see the outline of her chin and side of her face. And anyway, it was just amazing to see these pictures. And so she took my phone and she took some pictures. Anyway, so just seeing his light and then seeing it leave, um, was just, and we could feel him. Mm -hmm. You know, the most powerful thing about it is just feeling him and, and her countenance. You know, in the beginning, it was tired and a little bit grumpy, like, don't take my picture. Mm -hmm. And then it was just radiant, you know, because just feel having that connection. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the hard things for me is I wanted to feel connected to him. Mm -hmm. And so the lesson that God was trying to remind me of in reminding me of that 
you know, of taking those pictures because it took me a while to go, oh, well, maybe I was missing his light. Maybe his light was coming and I just didn't recognize it at first. And mm-hmm. sure enough, I went back to those pictures that I had taken of his painting. And what made it so that the glare wasn't there is his light. It was just a soft, diffused white light coming from the top. Mm-hmm. And but I just had totally, I didn't know what to look for. Mm-hmm. And so the, the lesson, the message that God was has, trying to teach me is, you know, your expectations. So I was asking for dreams, like everybody else was having dreams. And so I wanted dreams. But mm-hmm. that's not how Jesse came to me. He came in pictures. He, his light came in pictures mm-hmm. and continues to come. And as I've shared that with um, a friend of mine, and she shared it with a friend of hers who had lost a son as well, and sure enough, that those lights can show up in pictures. And that makes me wonder how many people out there have, you know, different gifts, different, you know, the, their loved ones on the other side trying to say, hi, I'm here mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love you, but you just don't recognize it. And so that is probably my biggest message is they're there. They love us. They want us to know that, that they're there and they have different ways of showing up. Like, they, you know, they communicate a lot through music. And so he had a song. My sister used a particular song when she made the video for his funeral. And so that would come up and play on the radio a lot when, mm-hmm. when he was around. So I, mm-hmm. And so I've learned the different ways that they show up. And, and I just, I love sharing that with other people because it can give them hope that, that they're not alone and that they're watched over and loved and that's really sweet oh my goodness well and it is it's good to know that those we love even though we can't see them they're still alive they're still there Mm -hmm. you know that's very very sweet now um you mentioned um another one of the lessons that you learned was um being able to surrender Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that. So oh, I've had to learn to surrender, like my daughter going through cancer. You know, mm. with the, working in the healing arts the way I have, I have my ideas about, you know, more, more alternative ways of, of dealing with cancer. But, you know, because of her husband's beliefs and, you know, his mother's beliefs, they decided that, you know, she, that she should do the chemo, which I was like, you know, I didn't want her to do that, but Mm -hmm. that was what she chose. And I had to surrender the fact that I can't run her life. I can't make her do it the way I want her to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to surrender, um, surrender having control. And even Mm -hmm. with Jesse, it's like, you know, things are going to happen, things that we can't control. And so you do your best, you educate yourself, like, you know, parents of young athletes, I would say, you know, these are the things you need to look out for. But if you have a kid that has HCM, there are no guarantees. Mm. I mean, you could do everything right, and they can still go. And even with Jesse, like, you know, having my background in the healing arts, when he first died, I just blamed myself. I was so hard on myself. Why didn't I stop it? Why didn't I know? Mm-hmm. And it was probably a couple of years after he passed away, he, he came to me, he was 
it was one morning I was getting ready to go for the day and and the way he communicates with me is just is not through words but just through downloads of understanding and it just comes flooding in and so I have to put words to it but mm. it doesn't come in the form of words but he let me know he said if I'd been here if I'd been at home you would have stopped me from going you wouldn't have let me go and it mm. happened the way it needed to happen and so I mean and with the narrative near-death experiences i mean i knew that you don't go before your time but it's just hard to accept especially when a young person yeah. dies it's just it's a hard you know children aren't supposed to die before their parents right and so yeah. to surrender to god's plan to believe that god has a plan even when it's really hard mm. to trust that that's that i think that's the biggest surrender and so with my daughter, it's like, you hope for the best, you plan for the best. I mean, and just recently she's going through, you know, she's looking at doing chemo again, possibly. Mm. And so I just am like, well, I do everything I can that she will accept that I can do to help her. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in the end, it's like, you know, the saying you, you hope for the best, but plan for the worst. Mm. And sometimes you kind of, that's part of the surrenders. You're like, okay, you accept God's will, whatever it is. Yeah. But you have faith and you hope for the best. Yeah, absolutely. So the surrender is allowing others to choose, but also trusting God. Yes, absolutely. But that's, that's hard. I think, I think that is so much easier to talk about than it is to do. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's easy to say, well, give it to God, trust that everything will mm -hmm. work out. Well, when it works out the way we think it should, then we're good, right? But when it works out how contrary, yeah, like a <laughs> to sun, what we want. sun dying, that's when it's really, really hard. Yeah. You know, and it takes, like you said, it takes years for you to stop blaming yourself and wishing you could have changed the outcome and just believing, okay, mm -hmm. all right, it, it must have been meant to be, but it's not what I wanted. To yeah. <laughs> and so then the focus becomes, okay, help me to accept this, to mm. live with it, to find new purpose. Mm. And so. So praying that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah. can see that. And, and and there have been a number of books that have really helped me. I mean, so my previous study of near-death experiences, but there um, there's a book called uh, The Surrender Experiment by Michael A. Singer that was really powerful me, for me. Ooh. And he decided... Tell me why. So he decided at one point that he was just going to accept whatever life put in his path hmm. and just totally trust... He, I don't. He might. He, I don't know if he called it God, but the universe, whatever you want to call that mm -hmm. higher power. Mm -hmm. And he lived his life in that way, and it's an amazing story. It's a for me, it was a life changing story because it's like here's a person sharing his experience of living his life in that way. Wow! And it's powerful. It's a we'll powerful to, way to live life. Wow! We'll have to put a link to that in the show notes. That just sounds fascinating. Mm -hmm. I would love to read that. The Surrender Experiment. Experiment. And Michael A. Singer. Wow. And then, and then most people are familiar with um, ah, brain cramp. Man's Search for Meaning. Victor mm. Frankel. Oh yes, and that's another, a good one. You know, there's so many powerful stories, and some of the stories that he shares 
of, you know, I mean, he had his own lots watching. I can't even imagine, you know, watching your whole family killed right in front of you. Oh, I know. And so when I, when I hear stories like that, I'm like, well, maybe I don't have it so bad. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, it it probably, it helps you put it into perspective. mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So, um, you also talked about the journey of learning about grief and how different it affects different people differently. Well, I, I mean, because, you know, working in the healing arts for as long as I have, because I've had an office now where I work with people for over 20 years. Um, I didn't really understand just what a hard hit grief could be, how it, what it does to the brain. I mean, it just, my short-term memory was just decimated. There was, I couldn't, the simple everyday things, I just couldn't remember. And you feel crazy. You're like, why can't I remember anything? Mm. And so there are things like that that you just don't realize the physical toll, the mental toll, what it does to you physically, emotionally, spiritually. I mean, you expect the emotional challenge and the spiritual challenge, but you don't, a lot of people don't realize the physical. And, And I... I met a friend who had lost her son and she told me, she said, plan on taking a lot of naps and just know that you're not going to be able to do, you're not going to be able to keep going at the rate that you had been going. And it was true. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I didn't have the, the stamina. It really took the wind out of my cells for at least a couple of years, probably. Yeah. It's like a new normal. I've, I've had somebody mm-hmm. else talk about that on the podcast, that it's coming back from a major loss like that. Everything's different afterwards. Yes. Yeah, exactly. As you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. That's very interesting. And and so maybe just giving ourselves the permission to say, you know what, this is going to look different for me than it will for somebody else. Did you find that you and your spouse grieve differently, perhaps? Um, yes. Yeah. And my my husband, I mean, he's not the typical man. He really, he shows his emotions. You know, mm-hmm. he'll cry. Sometimes I think he cries more than I do. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that tends to, I hide it. And I would wait and do my crying like late at night when I was by myself. But um, so we do do it differently. And, and I'd heard that, you know, a lot of parents divorce after the death of a child. And, and I came to understand why I think that, I mean, the reason I think that happens is you have two people who are just taken down. I mean, it's like two people struggling, both drowning. Mm. And when you have two drowning people, who's going to save who? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you both need someone to throw the life raft or, you know, to, you both need help. And so yeah. it's like you're not even in a position to... I mean, you know, you do your best and it brings you, it'll bring you together in some ways because mm-hmm. you have that common loss, but it's just, it's hard because you're just both struggling so deeply. Yeah. So would you say the person that ends up throwing the life raft out is God then? Yes. And, and there can be other, you know, there can be friends, there can be, you know, God works through earthly angels as well as heavenly angels. But yes, I mean, a lot of times it will come through God in many different ways. Mm. What are some of the ways that um, you saw that life draft perhaps in your life after Jesse passed away? Um, 
You know, it was interesting because it was, I felt like Jesse, I mean, my book is not just my book because it was like, I just started bumping into authors and it was like, you know, his way of helping me have ideas, like the idea to write a book and then finding people to help me actually do it. Mm. Um, And feeling like, I mean, because my book is, it's a way of making sense, finding meaning, you know, Victor, Victor Frankl talks about finding meaning in out of the loss. So Mm -hmm. for me, a way of finding meaning is helping other parents deal with the grief, Mm -hmm. understand HCM and what they can do to help protect their kids, you know, understanding where some of the pitfalls might be like with the school system, you know, in fact, I, a neighbor of mine, her child had a severe peanut allergy and every year she would have to go in to make sure that that um, health plan was in place because mm-hmm. it would just, I don't know, sometimes there are problems, you know, school systems, the programs don't work the way they're always supposed to. I found that there was only one nurse that covered like many, many schools. And so they're mm-hmm. just, you know, sometimes resources are spread thin. And so the parent, I mean, you are your child's first defense you have to be the one that's going to watch out for them if they have a life-threatening condition you have to become the expert don't expect your doctor to know everything and to do everything that is needed you have to become the expert like you know if jesse had a medical id Mm. that might have made a difference i don't know Mm -hmm. um i do know that the paramedics because so many you know drugs are such a problem they were looking uh, at drugs, you know, right. you have a healthy looking teenage kid collapse and they're not thinking heart, they're thinking drugs. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, you know, I've just, some of those problems that I recognize through our experience, I want to help people be aware of, you know, so having medical ID mm. could make a difference. Although the way they do it, you know, I don't know if medical personnel really check for medical ID. I, and I, I don't would know. Assume they would. Well, but I don't the, know. I'm the, not a medical person. Yeah. Well, and then is a kid going to wear it? You know. You, yes. You get them right. the bracelet or the necklace, whatever. Are they going to wear it? You know. I've thought about like medical tattoos or anyway. Uh huh. Different ideas on like, how do you how do you keep your kids safe as no. possible? Yeah. No, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. No, because anytime we go anywhere with our son that has low functioning autism, I have him wear a lanyard that says. You know, I have I have autism, and if I'm yeah. lost, <laughs> if for some reason he runs away from us, you know, and we're not looking, please call this phone number. <laughs> exactly. So you you know, so you've learned what you need to do yeah. to keep your child safe, and yeah. it's you know, so it's you know, whatever the problem is that you're dealing with, knowing what you need to do is important. Yeah. So in a sense, you have become a lifesaver to other people. You become a voice to say, I totally get grief. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's some tips that might help um, in your particular situation. You know, and that's neat that you have been able to come full circle, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think God uses us in that way once we have learned what we needed to learn to help us reach and influence others mm-hmm. and, and be that earthly angel, you know, to help yeah that's really really neat um we're gonna take a quick break but when we get back would you mind telling us maybe some final tips and 
Tell us a little bit also about your book. Sure. How many of you out there feel like your life is chaotic, crazy, and completely awful compared to the norm? What if I were to tell you that you are normal for you? I am so excited to announce that my book, Normal For Me by Tamara K. Anderson is now available for purchase on Amazon. This book took me 10 years to write and I share 20 years worth of lessons learned in my life detours, including being in a car accident and having two of my children diagnosed on the autism spectrum. In this book, I share the secrets of how I made it from despair to peace with God's help. I also include a bonus diagnosis survival guide at the very end of my Normal For Me book. The diagnosis survival guide includes 12 tips to survive and thrive in tough times. Wouldn't you like to know what those are? So what are you waiting for? Grab your copy of Normal For Me today on Amazon. And we're back. I'm talking to Elizabeth Allen about the lesson she learned after her son Jesse died from HCM, which is hypertrophic cardiomyopathy at age 16. Um, Elizabeth, tell me a little bit about some of the tips that you would share with someone who is in a similar situation. We've, we've talked about you becoming the expert in your child's diagnosis. So I know that's one of the tips you would share. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the other tips that you would share about this? Um, self-care is so important. Right. And so finding, you know, it's going to be different for everybody. You know, it might be taking a bath. For me, journaling was huge, mm -hmm. writing poetry. You know, and I mentioned my interest in near-death um, experiences. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a group here in Salt Lake well, that they meet once a month. It was the last Friday of the month. I think it's in, like, the county um, offices. You can find out more about it at IANS. Dot org. It stands for International Association of Near-Death Studies. Mm. And so, um, anyway, going to those meetings was really helpful. And, you know, hearing those stories, connecting with people who have, you know, been there and back, who, mm. you know, are connected to the other side was really helpful for me. Yeah. And um, so these were things that kind of helped you heal. Mm -hmm. So taking care of yourself is crucial. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So find your passions. Make sure you make time for those things. Yeah. Well, and then just, I mean, our, our my family was important to me before, but, you know, just when you realize that there's no guarantee for tomorrow, you know, just hugging my kids every opportunity, telling them that I love them. And I tended to to do that anyway, but it's just even more, you know, and friends and people just taking, being appreciative of every moment of every day mm. because you just, you don't know. Yeah. You, you just, you really don't know. It's true. A and something like this reminds you of that, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It really does. Oh. Yeah. My priorities, it really helps me to keep a sharper perspective of what really matters in life. 
do you find it's easy to get distracted from that priority of keeping family so top notch? I mean, are you as easily distracted as you used to be? Let me ask it that way. Well, it's and it's not even always being distracted. You know, I'm I'm grateful to have my own business because I can, you know, I can adjust my schedule and but, you know, having a business, you know, and having to, you know, schedule things. Um, sometimes I wish I had more time to, for my family. Like, you know, I have a new granddaughter. Sometimes I feel like I can't be there as much as I want to be there. Mm-hmm. Or I wish that there were three of me. One to, <laughs> one to just go live with my daughter for a few months and help her. And mm-hmm. one to just stay home and do dishes and <laughs> bake bread. And <laughs> one to go be in my office. <laughs> you know? <laughs> anyway. It's a challenge to juggle everything. <laughs> yeah. And perhaps that is why that self-care is so important. In all our busyness, it's important mm-hmm. to make time for us as well. And so I find that I just have to schedule. I mean, my schedule, like, you know, my daughter wanted me to, it's her husband's birthday. She's like, you know, can you come and watch the kids? I said, I can't that day, but I'm totally, I will give you this day. Mm. And so being able to, you know, schedule the times when I can be there. And then when I'm there, I'm there 100%. Mm. And so wherever I am, I'm there 100%. Ooh, that is beautiful advice. I love that, right? Be present. Yeah. And so if I'm at my office, I'm there 100%. Mm. And then when I'm done, then I get to focus on, you know, my family or me or whatever needs the focus. Yeah. And, and, you know, being able to have flexibility, you know, if, if something happens, then sometimes you have to just say, well, you know, this came up and then you have the flexibility to reschedule. Absolutely. So oh, that's awesome. So have you found a favorite Bible verse that has become meaningful to you in um, this amazing journey that you've been on oh there's so many i like the the story of job really i mean that hit home in such a big way yes after everything yes but one of my favorites is um from james 1 verse 5 if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of god that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him it's just such a great promise and we're told to ask and I think so many times we just, we don't ask. Mm. And so asking, knowing that we're going to be given from a generous God who, mm. you know, our best, I really believe that our best interest is always what he wants for every one of his children. And I believe we are all gods. Absolutely. Oh, that's beautiful. That is such a powerful verse that, yeah, God is going to give to us. Mm-hmm. We do need to ask. And sometimes we have to figure out the right thing to ask for. <laughs> yes. Actually, that's so important. That's one of the things One of the things I pray for is help me to ask appropriately and with discernment. Ooh, I and, like that and that's part. And that's part of the surrender mm-hmm. is, you know, the not my will but thine be done. Mm-hmm which is, that can be, that's probably the biggest place of surrender. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're absolutely right. 
My goodness, yes. Um, what resources would you recommend? You, you've already given us a couple of books. Are there any other resources you would recommend for someone in a similar situation or someone who's struggling? Yeah, it was interesting. When um, Jesse first died, I looked for some kind of grief group. And it took me, I think someone finally told me about Compassionate Friends. Mm. But they weren't, I mean, I didn't find them myself right away. But so that is a resource specifically for parents who have lost a child. And there are um, Facebook groups. And so if you just search for, you know, whatever fits for you, like grief. I mean, I created um, a Facebook group called Their Light Shines On because I want the focus to be on, you know, that they're there, that that, that connection can be there and help people have hope in that because... If you focus on, I mean, I've seen parents who just, it's like they just sink and they don't ever recover. Some mm. people don't recover. They don't find the hope. They just, it's such a hard loss that they get lost in it and they have a hard time finding their way out. Mm. And so to have hope and to, um, to be able to look for the, the ways that they're showing up, to be able to feel that they're there. I think sometimes the grief creates such a big barrier. In fact, um, you know, I because of my grief, I think it kind of made it harder for me to feel Jesse. And it was interesting because a, a good friend of mine, she lost her daughter. And I had a, her daughter came to me in a dream. Mm. and gave me a message for her mother and I thought how interesting that I would be able to have a dream and connect with her daughter easier than I could connect to my own son and it's just because that grief just it makes it hard to for them to get through mm. isn't that interesting you would think it would be the opposite but it's not no. mm -mm. and so I've I've known people who have a really hard time because they just, they don't feel connection. And that's the most painful thing, I think, mm. is to desperately beg and pray for to, for connection. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, we expect it to be a dream or to be, you know, to look a specific way. And that can blind us. Mm. And so, so that we miss, kind of like you were talking about mm -hmm. at the beginning. And so the obvious is right there. It's like it's happening, but you just don't realize it. So maybe the prayer should be to God, help me to notice. Yes, help me to, to see. Yes. To see. Help me to see. Help me to hear. Help me to feel what is there. Help me to mm. recognize the gifts that you're giving me that I'm blind being blind to. Mm, because of the grief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's oh, that's so wise. That's beautiful. Awesome. You also mentioned a book called Tear Soup. Yes. Tell me about that. So a friend of mine, it's, it's, a, it's a large picture book, mm -hmm. but it's, and so it can be appropriate for children as well as adults. And I loved that it, it addressed, you know, the different ways that people grieve. We don't, oh. we don't all grieve the same. And so it just talks about the depths of grief, the feelings of grief. You know, people talk about, you know, the five stages. Well, it definitely is not a clear-cut little 
no. <laughs> cycle that you go through. It is no, it's very not. messy and you bounce around and mm-hmm. go back and forth and you visit the anger multiple times. Right. And people, you know, mel- well-meaning people can say some hurtful ignorant things at times and mm-hmm. they just because they just don't know they don't realize and so and and part of my message is just helping people who haven't gone through the loss to understand what is helpful why don't you tell us what is helpful what 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 helped you so saying telling someone who's had some deep loss you know oh well they're in a better place don't ever say that <laughs> <laughs> that is so good to know <laughs> do not say that mm-hmm. you know i mean because if the person already believes it it just it diminishes the feeling of loss that they're going through and the devastation and you know they miss that person it doesn't matter if they're in heaven it doesn't make you miss them any less right you know right. i know jesse's in heaven i know he's busy i know he's you know doing great stuff but there are times when i just miss him and and revisiting you know going back revisiting the actual grief is always painful Mm -hmm. i mean it's never less painful like on anniversaries and stuff like that Mm -hmm. or just remembering going back to the memories Mm -hmm. they're just in fact um I took a a class from a man who'd lost his son Mm -hmm. and he said, you don't ever grieve less. You just grieve less often. And I think that's very true. Oh, that is really well put. mm -hmm. So the depth of grief never diminishes, but revisiting that, you know, that first year, especially where you're going through all those firsts Mm -hmm. is just brutal. And, and I had a friend who'd lost, who's lost two children. And she said, um, you know, the second year, she said, I hate to tell you, the second year isn't a lot easier. <laughs> so mm. anyway, it just, you know, it's, it's just hard. It's hard to miss them. It's, you know, driving past the high school for mm. a few years was just hard, mm. you know, cause you're always thinking, you know, what would he be doing now? And mm-hmm. what would I be doing now? Mm-hmm. What would be different now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What other what other tips would you give to people who have a friend who is grieving like that? Um, just be there, you mm-hmm. know, and you don't even have to say anything. In fact, there's um, a movie I watched and they were just sitting. They were just there knitting and just showing support and love. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't even have to say anything. Just be there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had so much love pouring out towards us. Um, food was brought in. Um, and sometimes there can be too much food. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so ask, you know, what, what do you like to eat? What would be, what sounds good for you? Well, because when someone's, you know, fresh in the grief, it's like your appetite just, it's, it can be hard to eat even. So. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And so just being aware of what is hard and and just um, just being mindful. You don't have to say, just say, I'm sorry. Just saying, I'm sorry. Mm. And then someone who's lost a child, they love to talk about their child. Mm. And so giving them, just listening, mm. you know, asking them about their child is a huge gift. Because mm. a lot of times people will have the attitude, 
well, aren't you over it yet? <laughs> it's mm. like, guess what? You're never going to be over it. Mm. You don't get over that kind of loss. It changes you. Yeah. That's... And you don't ever stop missing them. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe a good idea would be to... It's okay to bring that kid up or whoever yes. that, that has passed on and say, you know, I was thinking about them the other day and I remember this one time and sharing oh, that experience with you. Sharing memories is such a treasure. In fact, I, I kept, a, I um, created a journal and I wrote down all the dreams that people had. I'm so glad that I did that. So, mm. you know, those dreams that I was wishing for that I didn't get to have, at, at least I got to enjoy other people's dreams and the mm. way that Jesse would show up and the messages that he had for people mm. and the and the ways that he's sh um shown up to help protect like mm. i had a a nephew that was going through a really hard time with drug use and jesse came and kind of smacked him upside the head and said knock it off <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. you know and sometimes they're nice and sometimes they're you know <laughs> being a little strict with us, but sometimes that's what we need to hear, right? Well, and he was, I mean, and my nephew, I mean, he was, he was uh, headed out. He had, you know, was out of his body and he said, Jesse pushed him back in and wow. said, you know, not time for you to go yet. <laughs> and Stay here. Start taking care of yourself. Isn't it interesting that they really are so involved in the lives of those that they still love? Yeah. You know, that that doesn't go away. Mm -mm. And that they, they will. They'll show up in in people that we know, family, friends, yeah, we've in heard, their lives. Yeah, we've you know? heard multiple stories. Um, uh, my husband's niece, they were in a car accident, and she talked about how she felt, I mean, and they were protected, and she felt like it was Jesse that protected them. So it's, I mean, I love hearing those stories. I love the memories that people have shared, like some of the most um, precious things that, people did after Jesse died was just sharing those memories mm. of him. You love hearing those stories. And, you know, you think you know your child, but after they pass away, that's when you realize how much you didn't know mm. about them. So yeah, you learn a lot about someone after they pass away. So maybe even writing a memory in a letter mm -hmm. or a text yes. or those, something, because then you can keep it. Yes. Yeah. Those are very precious. I have a notebook where I saved all those, the cards, the letters. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic idea. I love that. That's really, really cool. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about your book that you are, that you've written? So my book, Heart So Big, is about my journey. So um, the beginning, the chapter where we go to the hospital and see his body. I'm so glad that we got to have that time with his body before the autopsy and everything. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's pretty heart-wrenching. You know, it was heart-wrenching to go through. It's heart-wrenching to read. But but then there's the the part I love the most about my book is, you know, the ways that I've connected. I, I explain grief and what you can do about grief how you need to, um, you know, getting the right supplements to help your brain recover from mm. the loss is important. Yeah. Um, that's part of the self-care, right? Yes. So yeah. that's part of the self-care is the getting proper nutrition and then just how to recognize 
that they're there. I'm just, I'm hoping that my story will help spark in, in other um, people the the idea that they are there and to know what to look for and to be open to recognizing the different ways that they show up. And then just, and to educate parents about HCM, especially mm -hmm. parents of young athletes, yeah. and to know what they can do to help get their child diagnosed, especially if they, you know, have a kid who they kind of think might be having some kind of physical problems. Mm. And, um, and then just, you know, working with the schools, working with bringing more awareness to even like um, emergency medical personnel. You know, if a kid collapses, it might be a heart situation. Right, right. Absolutely. So, yeah. And I, and I think that there are more, there's more focus on having AEDs like in schools mm -hmm. and, and people to help people be aware of the necessity and how to use those kinds of tools and equipment right yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense so if people have just really resonated with your story and your message how do they get a hold of you how do they find you so my um, email is eallenhealth at gmail.com you can send me an email and um and if you just put heart so big then maybe i'll know that it was, you know, from this podcaster that mm -hmm. you're interested in my book. Mm -hmm. um, and then my website, Heart So Big, is, I mean, it's still, it's kind of bare bones right now, but it is there. So, awesome. So that's another way that you can get in touch with me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Tell me, are there any final tips that you would like to share before we close? Um be gentle with yourself. Know that your best is good enough. And because sometimes we can be so hard on us, ourselves mm -hmm. and, and realizing that your, your best is good enough and that most people are doing their best and recognizing that they're doing their best. And so if someone says something that, that you find hurtful, just be given the benefit of the doubt, recognize that they are doing their best and don't take it personally. Just let it go. Mm, beautiful, beautiful words to end by. Thank you, Elizabeth, for sharing such a beautiful and heartfelt story with us today. Thank you, Tamara. It was such a pleasure and honor to be here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. I know that there are many of you out there that are going through a hard time and I hope you found things that have been useful today as you listen to the podcast. If you would like to access the show notes from today's podcast, visit my website. It is storiesofhopepodcast.com. That is where you'll find favorite quotes from today's episode and shareable memes. And those are fun because you can share them with your friends on social media. You will also find the links mentioned throughout today's episode so you don't have to remember what those were. And also all the tips that were shared. Sometimes tips are shared so much throughout an episode you forget. What were those great things? So go to the show notes, storiesofhopepodcast.com to look up these fantastic resources. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a tip that they really, really need to hear. 
So go ahead and share this episode with them. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help bear that burden. Above all else, remember God loves you.